Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 47 for January 2020. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer, Ken Gagney. And I am Captain Sabriel Mastin. Welcome back. We've got more Chalk to talk about. Yeah, Captain Mastin, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're in the future of 2020. Oh my gosh, it's so futuristic. I mean, I remember when I was a kid thinking to myself, what's it going to be like when we get to 2020? And the answer is, it's just like last year. Yeah. Other than faster internet, it's more or less the same as when... 2000 hit. <laughs> we're, we're getting the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and maybe a Nintendo Switch Pro and maybe a presidential election. But other than that, yeah, it's just another year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you make any resolutions? No, the resolutions aren't really my thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well, I say that, but last year I actually made one. I mean, I think I made two. I don't remember the second one, to be honest. It wasn't that big of a deal. But the, the big one was, for the first time ever, I will ride on a motorcycle. Up until that point, I was scared to death of them. I still a little bit am. But I, my roommate, Dustin, he has a motorcycle. And we drove across the city, had a drink, and came back. I did not die. Did you like it? It was fine. I think I would like it if I drove more. But yeah, it was fine. I still prefer being behind the wheels of a car or something like that. But... When you say you'd like it if you drove more, do you mean you want to be the one like yeah. driving the motorcycle? Piloting the motorcycle, driving, navigating it, whatever. I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun. I got my motorcycle license on a closed course. I've never been in road traffic with a motorcycle, and I wouldn't trust myself to do so now because it's been so long, but I had a lot of fun getting my license. That's cool. Yeah. Have you made any resolutions? You kind of skipped over yourself. <laughs> oh, you caught me. Yeah, I usually set myself like one goal a year. Two years ago, it was to cycle my first century, which was 100 miles in one day. And I did that. Last year, my goal was to get a dog. And I pushed so hard for that that my landlord actually kicked me out. And now I'm a digital nomad. And I just travel the country because I have no permanent address. So I didn't get a dog, but my current lifestyle is because of that resolution. This year, my goal is to have visited all 50 states in my lifetime. I'm at 47 right now. You have helped me with this goal. I hit both North Dakota and Minnesota with you. So thank mm-hmm. you for that. And a week from today, as we're recording, I am going to hit West Virginia, which will be my 48th state. I will have hit all continental states. And then later this year, I'll be going to Alaska and then Hawaii, and that'll be it. Excellent. Well, this won't help you any, but if anybody else has that goal and North Dakota is your last uh, here in Fargo... Uh, apparently, North Dakota being the last state is so common that at our visitor center, you can get a t-shirt that says, like, saving the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's true. So, anyway, we're here to talk about Star Trek, and we just got our most recent uh, short trek. I think it's the last one up in- for the season. I believe you are correct. Season 2, Episode 6 of Short Treks, known as Children of Mars. Yeah. Should I do a TLDR? Captain Sabriel, I would be delighted if you did a TLDR of Children of Mars. I normally, when I do TLDRs, I don't even think about it ahead of time. I just go off, off my like, whatever spits out. But at this time, I kind of like thought about it. I'm like, how am I going to do this? So let's go. <laughs> oh boy, can't wait. Uh, it's not that exciting. Don't worry. Anyway, 
The episode opens with two girls doing space Skype with their parents, both of who, the parents, work at Mars. They work at Utopia Planitia Shipyards. This is a place familiar to Trekkies, but we'll talk about that in a bit. The girls are Kima, an alien, and Lil, a human girl. Kima is goofing around with her mom, and Lil is disappointed her dad has told her that he is not coming home this year. We cut away and both girls attend a school somewhere in San Francisco. And it goes about their school day. Now, Lil is having a bit of a bad day and is picking on Kima, knocking over her school bag so she misses the school shuttle. And during class, Lil uh, gets her in trouble with a teacher. And Kima finally has enough of this and fights back in the library. And as bullies do, they get upset when the person they're bullying defends themselves. And Lil starts a fight in front of a number of the students in a hallway. While the two girls are being punished in the main hallway, or main foyer, I'm guessing, some kind of thing like that, the news comes on saying an attack by some group known as Rogue Synths has happened on Mars, destroying the orbital facility and presumably many of the facilities on the planet, and 3,000 are estimated dead. The girls are watching TV together. We see flashbacks for the girls talking on their space Skype calls to their parents. Kima remembers goofing around with her mom, and Lil remembers hanging up on her father, who had just told her he couldn't make it home that year, and finally were given a reason why Lil has been in such a mood today. On TV, we see an image of Jean-Luc Picard with the subtitle, Devastating! Admiral Picard reacts to Mars attack. It's at this point we see that this isn't a short track that takes place in the Discovery era, but post-Nemesis. Lil sees Kima crying, and the girls hold hands to comfort one another. Roll, title screen, and then credits. Well done. That was a comprehensive TLDR and absolutely titillating. I was in the edge of my seat. <laughs> uh, wow. So, what did you think of this episode? Like, What was your initial impressions, and what were they after some thought? My initial impressions were that most of the short treks this season have been comedic in nature. If you look at the episode about Tribbles or the two animated shorts... There's just been a lot of goofiness this season, and this episode was very much not goofy. This was dark and serious, and it also struck me how very similar to today's youth and academic system the future is. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about this at my first viewing. I watched this twice again. I was kind of like, all right, we're at some kind of school here in the future, and huh, I mean, junior high girls picking on each other. It's kind of the norm. So I tell still hasn't changed. And then while they're in trouble, all of a sudden, Jean-Luc, while they're in trouble, all of a sudden, Jean-Luc Picard is on TV. I had no idea that this was going to be a prequel to Picard because we still saw some Discovery era ships flying around like the school shuttle. The school bus was Discovery shuttle or Discovery era shuttle. And one of the ships docked at the space station was the same ship that uh, the trouble with Edward took place on. And so I just assumed this was going to be a Discovery Era thing. And all of a sudden, there's Jean-Luc Picard. I'm like, what? The end credits were really cool because, or the end title, which happened after the episode, was in the TNG font. Yeah, there were a lot of tie-ins here. And I, too, did not know what era this took place in. When I first saw the attack on Mars, that made me think of the penultimate episode of Star Trek Enterprise. And I was thinking, it's been a long time since I've seen that show. It's been a long time. Anyway. <laughs> And I was wondering, wait, is that what happened when RoboCop took over the Mars laser? 
was that Rogue Synths? I didn't think so. And it wasn't. This is, as you said, TNG. This is not an attack that has been previously canonized. This is new material. Yeah, when, it, when the attack was first showing, I thought maybe this is like a pre, like a flashback to the Klingon War, but I was like, they never got to Mars, so uh, that we know of anyway. And so I was a little confused, and all of a sudden Picard's there. Like, oh! <laughs> yeah, I, de- I definitely want to talk more about the TNG tie-ins and the uh, how it ties into Picard. Uh, we I remember reading like a, a long time ago that there was going to be a Picard prequel, but I had no idea that this was going to be it. Oh, I also, I however, I want to build up to that and talk about these kids and their school a little bit more. We, we are told that the TNG era is the point in human evolution where we have set aside all our petty squabbles, at least internally. And I really didn't see that with these kids. And maybe, you know, it's because kids are kids and they haven't grown up to be adults and learned all the lessons about social interaction and the like. But I was just surprised that this story is something that could happen today, where these girls get off on the wrong foot and they start hating each other and picking on each other. I I don't know. I would hope that we would have solved bullying and its related aspects within the next few hundred years. You know, see... I know Gene Roddenberry had this idea of utopia and all, but I still always felt like normal. Well, actually, we rarely ever saw civilian life. And I always felt like people are still going to be people to me. And heck, even since then, I think Star Trek is at its best when we look into the future society and see how much of it is still the same as today or explore the humans aren't this great, amazing species. Like, Cool. I think that was great that Gene started that, but I think like Deep Space Nine when they just when they explore those kind of things and like um when Earth became um like was under martial law when the founders were doing things or an Enterprise when we saw I mean this is before Federation era but when an Enterprise we saw some things happen on Earth like xenophobia and whatnot and I always found that stuff fascinating and more interesting than the um utopia that we were told it is and you know what maybe the utopia was more like a this is how we view ourselves, but the reality is much different. And I like this version of Star Trek. Uh, I prefer this version of Star Trek. Not that I think it's better. I agree that Utopia makes up the minority of portrayals of Star Trek. Really only maybe TOS, but definitely TNG. Those being the only ones that Gene Ronberry was alive to create. Everything since then shows a lot more inner conflict. And I think DS9 may be the best Star Trek ever. So I'm definitely not disagreeing with that approach. But the utopian portrayal is so much more inspirational. So much science fiction nowadays is dystopian. Like, oh, we're going to nuke the universe. There's (laughs) going to be a biological war. Everybody's going to be dead. And there's nothing to look forward to. Whereas Star Trek is like, that's the future I want to live in. The Star Trek of the next generation is the Star Trek I want to live in. Even though DS9 told better stories, if I had to choose a Star Trek to realize into this world, it would be the next generation. I read an interview with uh, Patrick Stewart the other day about Picard series. And I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil you or uh, any viewers who are intentionally avoiding spoilers. So just to say, Jean, or Jean-Luc, yeah, I keep saying that. Uh, Patrick Stewart also prefers uh, what I was talking about when Star Trek explores humanity that isn't perfect. That just he, he prefers those stories. And he, th- he finds them more interesting. Well, I think the spoiler there is that 
he would not have signed on to do Picard unless that is the kind of story they were telling. No. But again, no spoilers. <laughs> no, no. And take that for what you will. But I mean, it's not new for Star Trek. And uh, I mean, that, that philosophy is not new for Star Trek. And I think it's, I just, I like that. I like that. Mm. Yep. You know, there were some other aspects of the future of the Federation that I found interesting. One is that the children do take shuttlecraft to school as opposed to it either being remote slash online learning or just using transporters. Yeah, I, I, there's, uh, I know some beta canon has talked about this. Like People, like civilians, are giving transporter credits, how much they can use them. But I think mean, it's all beta canon. It's not official. Just like to try to, quote unquote, save on resources because it still costs energy to do that. But I thought about that too. It's like, how would you in the future? And if you can just beam everywhere, what's the fun in travel? <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> I, I like that they use shuttlecraft too to get around still. I mean, still, it's super fast. So it's not like, or more efficient. Uh, so it's not like it's uh, probably much slower. Sure. But I think it was in the Star Trek movies, which are a different timeline, a different universe, where we saw these teleporter pads just out in the open and people would just walk into them and go off wherever they want. It, it was very commonplace in that representation of Star Trek. Maybe those were uh, I don't recall the scenes you're talking about off the top of my head, but maybe those were uh, like Federation facilities or something like that. Hmm. Although the Federation and Starfleet do overlap a lot with civilian life. Just look at how many civilians were on the Enterprise. Yeah, which is another weird topic. To <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, if you're going to send people out to deep space for a five-year-long mission, you don't want to separate them from their family. Although apparently in Children of Mars, when you're on Earth in San Francisco and your dad is just on the next planet over, he can't come home for an entire year. Yeah, that was weird. I'm like, so, but they, maybe that will put have something to do with Star Trek uh, or Picard. Um, that was that felt really weird to me. Like, you can't get a day off, two days off, take a shuttle to Earth, which would be like a five-minute trip. And that includes landing. <laughs> Do you have any idea if the range on a transporter is such that they could go directly from Mars to Earth? Um, well, it depends on how far Earth is from Mars. I don't remember. I don't know what it is in kilometers. I think the general con- idea, at least in TNG era, that transporters could go like 30,000 kilometers, I think, or something like that. I don't remember all the figures, so... I don't think 30,000 is between Earth and Mars. No, I, I don't remember any episode of Star Trek showing a planet-to-planet transport. In the movies, no. yeah, but I'm talking about the TV shows. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just wondering. At least nothing that Federation could do. Right. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Like you know, Iconian all... Gateway or something like that. I was just going to say that, yes. <laughs> oh, those Iconians, such troublemakers. Another piece of interesting technology I saw in this episode was the library with all its physical hard copy books. Yeah, I'm glad they still keep those around. I wonder if it's because it's like some older generation saying, we want today's kids to grow up the way we did, having <laughs> to flip through card catalogs. Or if it's because these are original productions. Or Are they even still making books in the 24th century? Uh, you know, actually, we do know they are because of an episode of Enterprise. There was a scene where... Uh, Daniels from the future brings Archer to the future uh, where the uh, Federation like Earth has been completely destroyed, but they're in some kind of Starfleet or Federation building and Archer's looking through books and he sees a book on the Romulan Star Empire. Daniels is like, oh, let's not look at that one and puts it away. 
<laughs> okay, I'm glad you caught that. I did not know that because we always see Picard reading books, but they're always reprints of really old literature like Shakespeare and Dickens and the like. I wasn't sure if they were publishing new original material in the future. So I'm glad to hear that they are. Well, uh, books-wise, like story-wise, we know they still do. We have hollow novels, but that doesn't really mean translate to books. But um, it's I think it's totally plausible that we still have hardcovers or that, um, heck, maybe this academy is very much like worked for our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents and it'll work for you. <laughs> maybe it's the collected complete works of Captain James T. Kirk. Who knows? Yeah. Or they actually wrote down all his weird logs, like the one with the green hand in space or, or <laughs> uh, Lincoln floating in space. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, a lot of the, you know, it's a good point that all the captain's logs are spoken dialogue. And maybe our future eugenics haven't gotten to this point where, you know, we saw LeVar Burton's character, Geordi LaForge, was born blind. I'm sure there are still people uh, who are differently abled as far as it comes to hearing. So maybe yeah. there are transcribed editions of all these logs. It's true. It's true. But also, speaking of captions and dialogue, I don't think we heard any dialogue in this episode except from the parents over the space Skype that you were talking about. I don't think anybody on Earth said anything. Uh, the girls do at the beginning, uh, but that's it. We hear, um, Kimi said, I am Kima, and my mom is a, I wrote it down, Grav Ringer at Utopia Planitia. And Lil says, like, my dad's a quality system supervisor at the Mars Orbital Facility. That's right. They did say that. But those are voiceovers, right? Yeah. And those are the, but yeah, no one, we don't actually see anybody speaking to each other other than <laughs> Lil. She screams uh, when she's chasing down Kima. I think she might say something like, get back here or something like that. Oh, that's right. I think, yeah, we do hear children yelling and taunting and screaming at them. And there may have been some other utterances and grunts in that scene. I'm not sure I would qualify that as dialogue. It's worth pointing out, but... Yeah, she might have said, like, get back here, get over here, or, or something like that. But beyond that, no, th there was so little dialogue that they had a cover of David Bowie's song, We Could Be Heroes, playing over most of the song or episode. Now, I confess, I'm not very familiar with Bowie's work. Is that Does that song have any special meaning? I, I don't know the meaning of the song, to be honest. I just know this song. But it's also, like, a lot of people know this song because it was also part of Moulin Rouge. That's where a lot of people heard it. It was part of the, the God, what was that called? The Elephant Love Song Melody or something like that. Uh, it was part of that. But uh, it's a classic David Bowie song. And actually, I found it interesting because the way they use this, while it's playing over, it's actually not sung by David Bowie here, by the way. But um, while they're playing this song, there's a line that says, I wrote this down, um, part where the lyric goes, I will be king. And the camera zooms on on Lil. And the next line, you will be queen, a camera zooms on in on Kima. I found that interesting and lends to some possibility that these two kids will be uh, significant in the future. If we go by the idea that the short treks, a lot of the short treks tend to tie in with uh, Discovery or apparently now Picard. That's interesting. Almost like some sort of an Ender's Game prophecy where these children are going to grow up to be important. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see these characters. I think the tie-in is more about the event of the rogue synth attack than it is these two kids. That's just the lens by which we are viewing that event. But it's impossible to say because some short treks come back to us, some don't, some wait a season or two. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. 
Yeah, and it could be just for like, this is a cool shot. Regarding your point about the music that's playing over this episode, I found it striking. I It, it occurred to me that it's unusual for Star Trek to use that artistic approach. It wasn't until I looked in memory alpha that I saw this, which I'll read verbatim. This episode features the second instance in the Star Trek franchise of non-orchestral incidental music. That is music not in the scene being heard by the characters. The only other time was also in this season of Short Treks, The Trouble with Edward. Oh, really? It's like, really? I hadn't thought about that because I was thinking of, um, but yeah, no, Star Trek 2009, we hear Beastie Boys, but no, it's playing on the Nokia phone there, so. That's right, and they all hear it, and they're all yeah, like, good yeah. choice of music. <laughs> or that's even, that's on the ship, too. This is just a, uh, I was talking about the, when the uh, young Kirk is racing away with the, uh, the car. Oh, yeah. He's got uh, Beastie Boys, but yeah, it also happens in uh, Beyond, too. Yep. So... Yeah, so this it's only in this season of Short Treks that they've ever done this, and now they've done it twice. Interesting fact. Yeah. So go on. I believe you were going to say something. Yeah, another interesting, either intentional, like, like this is a thing to note, or just a cool shot. Uh, we see in the future that uh, motivational posters have not changed much in a couple hundred years, and the school has this huge banner that says, Achieve, and another one that says, Grow. Well, while the girls are being punished for the fight, Kima is sitting underneath the banner Achieve, and Lil is sitting underneath the banner Grow. Now, I don't know if those, I don't think those have any significance for this episode, but if these two become important later, maybe there's some kind of little nod or whatever. If it's anything more than just, this is a cool shot. Also, thanks to the signs hanging above them, we know exactly what day of the year it is. (laughs) Yes, it's April 5th. And why do we know that? Because it's First Contact Day. Happy First Contact Day! Let's all have pierogies! Yay! Uh, well, funny you should mention that episode of Voyager where Neelix made pierogies. Janeway mentions in that episode that kids have the day off from school on this day, and that's about the only way the day is even celebrated in the future. So, if that is true, maybe this is the... But these kids are definitely in school and learning either... Things have changed even since Janeway, or is this a private school that doesn't hold to that, or the writers forgot? Yeah, maybe it was a charter school or something. That's a really good point, though. I didn't know that they got the day off from school, but it's right there in Memory Alpha. Oh, that too. (laughs) It must be true. I I don't know why that one's stuck in my head. I don't know why. Nice catch. This is one of the things I love about Transporter Lock, is that every time we do an episode, I learn something from you. Your, <laughs> your attention to detail is unparalleled. Oh, I love... One of my favorite things in TV shows is to look at detail like in the background. Because, I mean, a lot of shots are intentional. And so, uh, there can be a way to inform what is or uh, going on in a scene, something about the character, or whatever. Like, you don't make a movie with random shots that don't mean anything to someone for some reason. And uh, that's one of my favorite things. Unfortunately, this also means I will, in shows um, that don't care as much, I will see like the same like extra walking back and forth on a street <laughs> in different scenes, like in different angles. And so that can be a little weird and take me out of the show. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you recognize any of the actors in this episode? I did not, but I... Uh, I can be bad with actor names, but none of them look familiar to me, but it does not mean I would not recognize them if told. I didn't recognize them either, but it turns out two of the adults have been in previous episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, uh, 
Do you remember him off, or did you write him down? Yes, I looked up again off Memory Alpha. The first is Lil's dad. Uh, he played a medic on the Starship Discovery in the Groundhog Day episode, Magic to oh. Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. <laughs> and then also the person who played the principal. By the way, what species was he? Was he Vulcan? To me, he gave me more of a Romulan vibe than a Vulcan. I can see that. Interesting. Not saying it's not possible. He didn't have the traditional TNG forehead ridges. But that's not. That's, but with Discovery has made so many changes that doesn't mean anything. I was thinking that I don't think I've ever seen a bald Vulcan. They all have those Beatles type haircuts. Hey, you're right. You're right. I don't want to say that just because you lose your hair doesn't mean you're a Vulcan. <laughs> that would be very Harrist of me. I don't mean to do that. But the actor who played that principal also played Saru's father in the short oh. trek, The Brightest Star. Oh, yeah. I definitely would not have recognized that for sure. No, not with all that makeup, but yeah, same guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the kids go, who certainly were the stars of this episode, Kima, the alien girl, was played by Ila Maria Abraham, and she has been on a few TV series and a few TV movies. Uh, one of her earlier credits was a TV movie called Does It Fart? <laughs> <laughs> so when she is rich and famous, she'll have that on her record. Mm-hmm. And the human Lil was played by Sadie Monroe, and she has appeared on episodes of some more well-known TV shows, including Orphan Black, American Gods, and The Handmaid's Tale. Oh. So maybe others have recognized those kids that we didn't. Especially Sadie. She's been on, you know, those other shows that I think have more pop culture relevancy. Plus that red hair probably stands out. That's true. That's true. And the director of this episode, Mark Pellington, also directed the short trek this season, Q&A. Oh. Another good episode. Yeah. So, Sabriel, before we bring it back to the end of the episode, is there anything else you want to bring up? Well, I have two more notes I wrote down. Random. I have it, I have it called Random Bits I Noticed or Facts. <laughs> if Utopia Planitia sounds familiar, but you're not sure why, that is where the Enterprise from TNG, the Enterprise D, uh, the Defiant, and Voyager were all built over Mars. So, now we actually get to see it. And... uh I was happy that FNN still exists. It's the Federation News Network. We last saw them in uh, officially as them uh, in Star Trek Generations. They were the news crew that was following, uh, or at least one of the organizations following the people around on the Enterprise B when it was launching. Oh, that's funny. I remember that. <laughs> but also, didn't Travis Mayweather have an ex-girlfriend who reported for the FNN? Well, that's why maybe something, but the Federation did not did not exist yet. And so it wouldn't be FNN, but it could be a precursor or maybe oh, future right. CNN. That's you're why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Starfleet existed, but the Federation did not. Right. That's right. Did Jake Sisko ever work for the FNN? I thought about that and we don't know. Uh, we know he was a freelance writer, but we don't know where he was submitting his articles to. It's plausible. Definitely plausible. But who knows what other kind of future blogs exist. Because when the Dominion took over Deep Space Nine, he stayed behind to be the person on the scene reporting about it. Yeah. And then apparently we're never sent. (laughs) Cool. So now, shall we bring this back and talk about Picard and TNG? Yeah. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the rogue synths that we're attacking and how it's not the penultimate episode of Enterprise. And it's not something else that we've seen before. This is new. I'm wondering, though, what are rogue synths? Any ideas? Uh, No. But um, how much, uh, I don't want to say too much, how much of Picard do you know? I know the trailers have come out. Have you watched them? I saw the trailer that came out back in July. There's a new trailer since then that I have not seen. Okay, so, so you, you kind of get the idea. Um, 
the Picard takes place while he's no longer in Starfleet. I mean, I suspect that these synths have something to do with the reason why he's no longer in Starfleet. This is not based on anything other than my speculation for what it's worth, nothing I've read. So I'm guessing based because this says Admiral Picard and now the synth attack and uh, Picard happens after. I suspect it's related. Um, if he has retired from Starfleet, how come the FNN called him Admiral Picard? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. This is why I suspect this takes place be- before Picard. It's like a prequel. Well, he's still Admiral. So you mean this is before he retires and then gets pulled yes. back into service? Yes. Oh, so this might be like a year or two before right. Picard. Interesting. Some length of time. Well, I was wondering if Picard opens with him being reinstated into active duty, and therefore he's an admiral again. I don't know. Two theories I have about the rogue synths. One is we know from some of the trailers of Picard, if this is a spoiler for you, fast forward, that the Borg are somehow in some capacity present or relevant. And I'm wondering if they are taking over machines, kind of like Terminator 3. Yeah, rise of the Borg machines, Borg machines, Borg. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I know, granted, historically, they are cybernetic organisms, which requires a biological component, and these rogue synths apparently didn't have that. The rogue synths looked a little bit like Cylon ships, which I don't recall if they always have biological components, but maybe the Borg are expanding to be just one or the other. Who knows? My hypothesis, if this is Admiral Picard, he's no longer in Starfleet, then Picard happens, is maybe the reason he's no longer in Starfleet is that he had something to do with the development of synths and getting them accepted, and all of a sudden synths, synths attack. And that, I mean, everyone's like, get out of Starfleet. <laughs> so you think he was dishonorably discharged almost? Plausible. Hmm. Or possible. possible. I mean, given his experience as Locutus, I would think that he would be disinclined to participate in the development of an AI. Yeah, uh, a lot of unknowns, but just a hypothesis. We'll put it at that. Uh, Sure. No, I love hypotheses. I'm always mm -hmm. encouraging you to bring more to the table. So that's a good one. Thank you. Another theory I had is short treks have historically tied into Star Trek Discovery. There's no reason to believe that this episode is an exception. It could be that the rogue synths are some aspect of control from Section 31. Uh, Also possible. That would be interesting to see. If I get to see like what control has been up to in the last couple hundred years. Yeah, I think some sort of discovery Picard, not crossover, but correlation. I think that would be fascinating. I would love to see that somehow. Because yeah. if you look at Deep Space Nine, who was in the very first episode? The Enterprise. And if mm-hmm. you look at Star Trek Voyager, who was in the very first episode? Deep Space Nine. So <laughs> when you have two Star Trek shows running concurrently, what they have historically done is use one to launch the other. Yeah. Who was in the first episode of Enterprise? Zephyr Cochran. That's right. Oh, <laughs> well done, Sabriel. I love that. Uh, oh, back to talking about the Borg. A moment. I rewatched the trailer yesterday or this morning. We all we all we know about the Borg's existence. I don't want to say a character, uh, but is that there is a Borg ship for at least one second in the trailer, and that got me thinking. I wonder. I would be think it would be cool if they made some of the Beta Cannon. For the Borg, canon in this, in uh, actually canon, what happened eventually? There's a, another massive war with the Borg, and just as like the Borg are about to defeat the Alpha Quadrant, basically, 
Uh, wait, no, hold on. I'm getting so that messed up. However, uh, during some big event with the Borg, all of a sudden, everything, all the fighting stops, and they are ascended away by a group known as the Kaliar, uh, and basically turn all the Borg humanoid, getting rid of their, I don't want to say digital, I'm drawing a blank, mechanical cybernetic. part, cybernetics, thank you, and uh, whisk them away to some, I don't know, if a different plane of existence, a different part of the universe, a pocket universe, I don't know, but the Borg basically are no longer a threat. Well, isn't that just a deus ex machina? Yeah, I don't. I haven't read those books. Basically, I jumped in uh, Voyager era uh, to the relaunch uh, where all the authors are playing in this world, and so I'm like, "Who are the Kaliar?" So I had to go back to memory beta and figure that out. And so that's basically my recap of reading like the Kaliar thing like two, three years ago. So hopefully, I got some of that correct. <laughs> well, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that Star Trek has decided to make canon something from non-canon, for example, the animated series back in the 70s has been constantly a source of material for canon shows. Yeah, especially Spock stuff. Right, yes. I don't know that we've ever seen it in the books, though. I think Star Wars has done that. I think they canonized Admiral Thrawn, but I don't remember a Star Trek book that I've read that became canon. I'm trying to think, but uh, no, off the top of my head, I've got nothing. I could be wrong. You know, and even the books contradict each other. Yeah, because until uh, recently, when there's been a huge like trying to get everything everything into one general universe, they contradict each other all the time. Another tie into TNG that I noticed: you picked up that the title of the episode came at the end, and it was in the TNG font. But uh, one thing I saw after that, watching the credits that I picked up on, usually Discovery says based on Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry. This one said based on Star Trek: The Next Generation created by Gene Roddenberry. Oh, good catch. Yeah, a, a subtle difference, and I don't know if it's legally necessary to distinguish them, because it's all Star Trek, but since Picard, a character created by Gene Roddenberry, specifically appeared in the show, I guess either it was necessary or appropriate to cite that specific reference. Another thing that was unusual about this episode, and again, thanks to Memory Alpha for this, is that this is the second short Trek not set in the 23rd century. So as you said, we were trying to figure out if this was Discovery era or not, and it's not. It's set 100 years later, or so. But Calypso was the other one that was set 1,000 years later. So those are the only short treks that are not set concurrently with Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, assuming you're not ta- assuming you don't count the animated ones. Well, that's a good point, because one of the animated ones was a documentary, which you assume was made in the future and is looking back, but we don't know exactly when that was shot. It, certainly, the contents of the documentary are Discovery-ish era, because that's only 10 years after Discovery. Or, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be that specific, because what I said was 23rd century. So, the documentary about the Tardigrade was definitely set in the 23rd century, regardless of when the documentary itself was shot. Yeah. But you're right, that's a good point. It doesn't really change what you said, though. It's just like, yeah, it's, for, for, I mean, for the most part, the, the, the treks that we know have something to do with Star Trek have a certain thing. And so now we have our second that does not take place in Discovery Ishera. I think I've said my piece on this episode. What else would you like to talk about? I said everything I had written down. Other than I'm excited for Picard to begin. Yeah, January 23rd, I believe, right? Yeah, roughly two weeks, a little less than a little less than two weeks. Yeah, and you and I need to chat offline about whether or not Transporter Lock, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, is going to be covering Star Trek Picard. Yeah, we will do that. Do we know when the third season of Discovery debuts? 
if there has been a date, I don't recall seeing it. It it did not stick permanently in my head. But uh, all I know is I do, do know that it does not coincide with Picard. Okay. I just did a quick Google search. It says April 2020, which implies to me that the first season of Picard will be done by then. That sounds good. I mean, probably a limit. I don't know how many episodes Picard has, if it's been announced, but probably no more than 13, 14. I'm guessing that's on the high end. Right, because that's how many uh, average season of Discovery has. And you know what? I just Googled this as well. <laughs> Picard has 10 episodes. All right, cool. So if it starts January 23rd, that'll take us until early April. So there you go. Cool. All right. So either this podcast goes off the air for the next three months, or we do 10 more episodes about Star Trek Picard. I'm all for that. Let's <laughs> put it out there for everyone to hear. We'll figure it out one way or the other. Until next time. Hit it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. <laughs>